at times. My section commander, my the force crew, was um, was a Welsh bloke, um, and I'll be honest, mate, he was he was a fucking bully. <laughs> he was an absolute bully, and I think because they knew that my dad was serving, um, he 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 sort of singled me out a little bit, and I wasn't used to that because mm. I'd used to a, I used I was used to being the type of person that was you know a good lad. Mm. Although I'd had trouble before. I would always charm my way out of that trouble. Yeah, yeah. I could talk my way out. I yeah. could sell fucking sand uh, to Alex. Yeah, mate. I know exactly. Yeah, I could yeah. always charm myself out of those situations, no matter what situation I got in. I was always able, especially when we were downtown, because I'd speak German. Yeah. When the boys got into a big drama and a big fight, I was able to defuse a situation and stop it from causing any more problems. Mm. Um, and you know that would normally come after having been smacked across the face three or four times, mm. or having had something cracked across the back of the head. Mm. You know, that's why my nose looks like it's crooked <laughs> and you could land a fighter yeah. jet on the bloody thing. Yeah, yeah. But all, and, and that's not because I was good at fighting. It's because mm. I was shit at fighting. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I was never a fighter, yeah. but I was always able to charm into few situations. Mm. So being in basic training, it was weird to me to be on the end of somebody who, who I looked up to, but was a fucking bully. Mm. And then I was in a room with four other guys, three of which, or yeah, four other guys, Sorry, myself and three other guys. So four of us in this room at basic training. Two of them I still hold respect for and kind of have a relationship with on a, randomly here mm. and there once every blue moon. Might be an happy birthday message or something. But one of them joined in that feat of being a bully. Mm. And he was also Welsh. And the corporal that was running our platoon and the older guy, I think it was like 30 years old. Mm. So he started training very late. Mm they both kind of connected with each other and I think they, he kind of gave him a little bit, the corporal gave him a little bit of um, an easier time, should we say, because mm. he was an older boy, because he was Welsh from back at home. Yeah, they had yeah. some sort of comparison. Yeah. Um, and I never ever, I, I just didn't, we just didn't see eye to eye, mate. Yeah. So I had this competitive edge that I just wanted to beat him, no yeah. matter who he was. I just wanted to beat him at everything he did because I wanted to kind of shove it in his face and be like, do you know what? Fuck you. Mm. You gave me a hard time. You were an absolute prick in basic training mm. and you just joined in the commodity. You just joined in all the commotion, should I say, that the corporal was throwing at me yeah. as well. And that kind of that kind of enforced me to keep pushing through something mm. that, you know, I didn't deserve to be in that situation. Mm. I didn't deserve to be spoke to or, or trekked the way I did by that person. Mm order court rule and was it wrong probably who cares but in my mind i still had my eyes firmly fixed on that site of being mm. a pti i've had my eyes firmly fixed on joining my dad's regiment i remember i got a certificate from the commanding officer of the regiment saying we are granting you a place in our regiment when you go to phase two training and yeah. i felt really proud to have this certificate that kind of said you know dean we're going to welcome you to regiment yeah. because your dad's part of the regiment you've been yeah. you've followed you know it was kind of like a it was it was quite a it was a nice certificate, mm. you know, it was really, I felt really proud having that because my dad had, you know, asked the command officer if we, if he would, you know, do this for me because they used to give them out to some random people when they were going through training. Yeah. If you had family ties to the regiment, it just meant that I didn't get shipped off to some other unit. Mm. So, you know, basic training finished um, and I went into phase two training and that was a completely different story for me. Phase two training was a completely different story. I very quickly was surrounded by people that, were joining the same regiment that mm. I did. Those people knew that very early on found out that my dad was part of the unit because at phase two, in we went to Bovington. Yeah. And in Bovington, the, you, you, when you join 
when you say you want to go to a unit um, at phase two, you wear the berry and then you go to these evenings where people from the regiment come and do a talk yeah. about, you know, when we were in Bovi, my family were all over in Germany. Yeah. Um, and at, at this time I had met my amazing wife mm. to this day who still sticks by me. And, and, you know, we had a long distance relationship um, and they, the, the regiment came over and obviously my dad at the time was one of the sergeant majors. Mm. So we come over to the to, to Bovington with a couple of other guys, the commanding officer there at like a convention, a dinner, whatever it was in mm. Bovington, a core reunion. Yeah. And they did a talk to all the QRH guys. Um, and at this stage, I hadn't told anybody that my dad was in the regiment. I didn't say anything. And my dad turned up, fully rigged in, saw him. Obviously, I knew he was coming. I was like, fucking hell, how do you deal with the situation? Mm. And all the other guys realized who my dad was. And it wasn't like, we still had like great friendship, but the friendship then grew even more okay because they realized who my old man was and i don't know if it sounds really fucking weird doesn't it like you know see see who your dad is and they want to be fucking friends with you Mm. it actually wasn't like that because those people that were in that position and i was side by side with some of the some absolute fucking legends some Mm. real top quality blokes and you know one or a few of them aren't in 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 the uh, in the regiment anymore you know but you know some names like nick jones uh mick lally you know us two three of us were, were fucking inseparable mm. the three of us you know but we were inseparable from the start and then when they realised that my dad was it just became it bonded that even mm. more because then it was like oh you know and when they came out to Germany it was like we had, we still had that brotherhood yeah do you know what I mean we'd fucking passed past phase two but like I said I completely different experience mm. in phase two because that, I had three people that actually yeah. saw me as somebody saw me as somebody that mm. was was a friend, not a fucking yeah, enemy. Yeah. And to and like basic training is tough at the best of times. Yeah. But to then have to not be I wasn't victimized or bullied because I don't think it was. I just, you know, it was people say it's banter. But it probably was banter. But to be fucking to be spoken to and be made out like you're doing something wrong mm. by a senior by a full screw who's leading the troop leading the platoon, but then somebody else who's really old and well respected in it. And mm. like, you just feel like shit. So to get away from that was a great yeah. it, like changed phase two was a great that, was a massive difference. Yeah, I was gonna say that 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 culture I get or actually maybe this leads into my question I'm gonna ask you then. What you experienced in phase one, again, going back to just being an ignorant civilian who has no idea of what goes on in the army, how you've explained that and I guess what we've seen in mass media, just from a film's perspective, I guess, with like, you know, war films and stuff like that. That you you explained that as actually being quite a challenging time, which surprises me because for again, from my perspective, that just sounds like army culture and what you expect to go into. So am I wrong in thinking that or is, do you know what I mean? So are you, I know. So the the basic training is a challenging environment. It takes somebody from civilian and then in 12 weeks time, they're a basic, basic soldier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, The basic soldiering skills that then allow them to go off into the phase two units and learn the trade. Yeah. And the soldiering skills then continue to grow, grow and grow. When I went to basic training, I already had and possessed some of the skills yeah. that perhaps a lot of civilians maybe didn't have, mm. such as the physicalities mm. of 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 being fit mm. and healthy. Mm. Because I had worked quite hard, my mm. training before I joined the army, I went through like six months of beat up with my dad. I went to go in and do some runs with the squadrons, used mm. to do some of their battle PT. I used to like tab up, like tack along to get myself fit. Mm. You know, I... I, I very very quickly learned i knew military language i understood the isms and the mannerisms that came with that so you know 
it wasn't a sense of it wasn't me going in there with a with a sense of arrogance. It was me just going in there confident that I thought I had some of the stuff that I needed in place, and I did. Yeah. I had the physical ability, and yeah. I had the understanding of what the military system looked like. So, do you think that's what helped? Is is, is that then reflect on how you you saw that rather than obviously them being like training you into that mindset because again as you say you've grown up in it you're kind of already there actually as you said your training I guess kind of yeah, started but I knew as a kid. nothing of the military I knew nothing of the yeah. military skills I just okay. had some of the attributes that okay. they were looking for and I was never you know halfway through basic training mate I'll fucking tell you right now halfway through basic training it got mm. to a point where I walked down to the telephone box in absolute fucking tears mm. on the phone to my old man mm. and my mum telling them I think I'm done mm. I think I want to come home I'd had enough Mm. I'd had enough of like at this stage we had gone through I think we had done like you do like an exercise halfway through whatever it looked like mm. it was like three or four days absolutely shanking down with rain mm. sideways fucking rain wind piss wet through absolutely miserable mm. like n basic training is for most people it's a great experience or it's a miserable experience for most people it's a miserable experience <laughs> yeah, yeah. because you are indoctrinated into military culture mm. so it's got to be challenging it's got to be tough they've got to make something of you yeah um it's a it, it's just a different landscape now but it doesn't mean it's not any less challenging for people it just comes with different components mm. so you know it, it, at that stage i was like i'm fucking done i don't mm. want to be here anymore and it wasn't until having a conversation with my mum saying like look you, you've worked so hard mm. to get to that you know you're you're six months into a process i had already committed probably more than what other people were doing and it meant so much more to me mm. that's probably because i cared more than other people mm. and that's not a bad thing i just i just had more on the line mm. my dad was in the military my, we had been we had been around the military life for the whole of my whole of my life mm. my grandfather was in the military my uncle was in the military my grand great grandfather was in the military mm. all through the same family line of regiments that they'd gone through mm. it absolutely did not make sense for me to leave but I mm. felt like I was failing because mm. I was in an environment that was perhaps not as, not what I had it out to be. Mm. I expected it to be this culture of people that were really, really driven and based around fucking performance. Like I had been involved with German football and they were all about performing very yeah, well, yeah. like being the best you could be. I did athletics, I did sports. So you're, in do you're, you're surrounded by mm. people that want nothing but physical performance for you. Mm. But in that military environment in basic training, it just felt like you were there to get fucking thrashed <laughs> and you were to get absolutely melted and broken mm. down. Mm. And I just wasn't expecting that. Mm. And it was strange because I'd been in a military environment. I, was ex I, didn't ex I should have expected that. People were telling me, but yeah. I just refused to believe it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, getting to basic training and getting to the unit as quick as I could, like, couldn't mm. happen fast enough. But mm. in phase two training, that was an incredible experience for me. Mm. I, you know, I got best recruit. I was physically fit. Mm. Um, I left as, uh, I, I left in really high regard and I came to the unit and excelled in what I did. Mm. I did very well in the unit. I got promoted early on and I became, you know, I went and done my, I, in fact, within very, very quickly when I got to the unit, I went and done my physical training instructors course because I've always wanted to be a PTI. Mm. And we did that in Germany. It was a 10 week course. And that was an unforgettable experience. Yeah. Okay. It was arduous. It was physical. Mm. It was challenging. It was tough. It was led by people mm. from a core that I wanted to be part of. Mm. And I just loved it that much that I mm. kept doing it. Okay. And I did it for eight years before I transferred over to the Royal Army Physical Training Corps. Yeah. You know, for eight years, I was leading 
all of the same PT mm. in the same unit mm. that my dad was in. Okay. My dad was one of my sergeant majors, mm. which is brilliant. My yeah. dad was then the regimental sergeant major yeah. in a regiment that I was part of. And he did not show me any fucking respect. <laughs> I remember the first unit, first week I got into battalion, he fucking charged me. <laughs> what does that mean? What, with the charge, char- what, what so was- I got charged money for incorrectly Just- parking my car in the wrong space. <laughs> and I got seven days. Re- we have restriction of privileges. Yeah, They're yeah, called yeah. ROPs. Yeah. And you do shit jobs like sweeping leaves, painting curbs, yeah. emptying bins, doing all of the fag ends, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all the crap shit yeah, yeah, jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I parked my car in an incorrect space. And I got seven days rock. So he, and interestingly, he was the fucking idiot that parked it. <laughs> it just had my name in the car pass. But he, but what was, I, I, will, I will always thank him for what he did yeah. in that stage. Because I got done for that. It was like I had gained so much more respect from yeah. other people. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he didn't treat me like everybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, he treated me like everybody else. He didn't yeah. treat me with any, yeah. any like golden tickets or mm. anything like that. I fucking got it just as much as he mm. did. I had to brace up to him when he walked past me. Sure. When we were in a smoking area, they would say, stand up, you'd yeah. stand up. And he would walk past and I would be stood to attention. Mm. And people used to say, is that not weird? I'd be like, I'm not, you've got to understand that you're, I'm respecting what he's achieved. Yeah. And my dad never, ever, we never took the piss. We yeah. did take the piss a little bit down the line when I, you know, when he got a bit older and he was going to commission because mm. it mean I'd have to salute him now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm never fucking saluting you. Like, rest <laughs> assured, I'm never I'm slamming absolutely. my tabs in, in your desk and I'm never, ever saluting you. He yeah. went, you fucking watch me, sunshine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will salute me, you little prick. <laughs> I was like, all right then. And I think he might have caught me once or twice. Like yeah, once yeah. or twice in his time, he probably caught me and I had to salute him. Yeah. But I used to avoid him at all costs because... Mm. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to yeah. salute him. I didn't want to brace up to him. So I used to just try and run my course and run mm. my path. Um, so that's what I did. I did the PTI yeah. thing. Okay. And my dad went down a different path. He went down the gunnery school's wing. Mm. So he was a gunnery instructor. He taught people how to fire the Challenger 2s. Okay. He then taught people to teach people. Mm. He was then a sergeant major in a very prestigious squadron. He was then the regimental sergeant major in a very prestigious um, mm. unit, the Queen's Royal Hazards. He then commissioned. So he had led all of his life, mm. got to the senior rank of a captain. Um, I think he was major at one point. I, I think he was captain when he left. So he had gone through all of that process and been part of the QRH for all of his life. Mm. And I think people thought I would do that, but I wanted to run my own journey. Yeah. I wanted to do my own thing. And I just wanted to make him proud. Mm. And doing the PTI course early on. And I stayed with the unit for a long time. I felt like I owed something to the regiment yeah. before I put my transfer paperwork in. Mm. So from 2008, mm. nine, whenever it was, 2008 I think it was, all the way through till 2016, mm. I was cat badged as the Queen's Royal Hazards. Okay. I was a PTI within the Queen's Royal Hazards. Mm. And I, f- you know, I felt like I owed that to them because mm. they had supported me. My mum had been through breast cancer three times. And the support they had given my family as a young boy seeing it and then in the regiment seeing it mm. was second to none. My dad had everything that he could ever need. He had the mm. time off to support her. Um, I remember him being away on deployments as well, which is a, probably another conversation. But I remember him being away on deployments and me having to having to help my mum through those processes, mm. having to help my mum fight those battles mm. with panic attacks and with without my dad there. And me being the older boy in the house, mm. it yeah, it it was a fucking challenge, you know. And, but and it was, you know, the, the third time that she had breast cancer, um, 
unfortunately, my dad wasn't part of the unit at the time. My dad was in the veteran, the old mm -hmm. comrades association. So he had left the military. Mm -hmm. She had died in uh, 2016. Um, third time she'd had breast cancer. It was it just wiped her out. Like she was she was done. Like she yeah. was done. And the regiment still, still to this day, I cannot thank them enough for what they did mm -hmm. when she died because everybody that was part of my dad's life and my life as a young boy growing up mm. was there at the funeral mm. was there sending messages there sending flowers mm. and for me that that meant more to me than anything else yeah. like because that's what i truly perceived as a family unit yeah. some people didn't see it as a family unit but i really did see it as a family unit because mm. they did so much for me and my dad that so many and, and my brother mm. that so many people probably haven't heard of or seen mm. and to have that support when your mum dies is is second to none let yeah. alone when somebody in the regiment has passed away yeah and it's been and it's happened on ops and deployment like it, it yeah it's it's yeah. that to me is what a family regiment is yeah. all about so i owed them that yeah i 100%. owed them that yeah no that's is again just such a kind of lovely story to go through because it's yeah you, you don't you don't think about that I, I don't feel personally from like from my perspective my my ignorance I guess is just okay like you know being fortunate enough to kind of meet you and it's like right Dean's in the army this is my whole I'm filling in all the blanks obviously that I don't know of you before we've sat down and had this chat today yeah and it's again like, it's it's so bad but you just you take the human out of that that soldier if that makes sense whereas how you describe particularly phase one because again I was expect I wasn't expecting you to tell me that you felt. Well, no, that you obviously you felt like shit during phase one training. I get that because as you say, they're trying to just break you down, build you back up as a soldier. I understand that. But it's the fact that you, you made that kind of comment on how maybe like, you were spoken to and things like that. I wasn't expecting that from you because as I would just assume that that's part and parcel of the job and you can't, you, you're not allowed to actually feel disrespected. It's just, yeah. you know, you're basic soldier, shut the fuck up. This is what you're doing and that's it. And you kind of accept it. But to, again, that in itself and then that story about your mum there is is really eye-opening quite nice to uh, nice to hear because they're, they're all, still we're that all human. human yeah yeah we're yeah, all yeah. fucking human mate. Yeah. i remember getting thrashed in basic training and yeah. being told to leopard crawl yeah. on my elbows belt buckle and knees yeah across a 300 meter odd parade square yeah um in full kit we all did and mm. i remember literally breaking down on the parade square because mm. it was just constant and constant mm. and constant all for somebody I think it was all for somebody being incorrectly dressed or whatever. So we got change paraded, change paraded, change paraded. Mm. As in, had to get changed into different clothing okay. in minimal amount of time. Yeah. Get back on parade again. It was yeah. just a thrashing. Yeah. And then the last one was full rig on the parade square and we just crawled up and down yeah, for yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. And I was in bits. And it was that point there. And that was after the halfway exercise, I think it was. It was at that point there I thought, Do you know what? I'm fucking done with this yeah, place. Yeah, I'm yeah. done with this done place. It, yeah. And people, yeah, like, I think a lot of people do believe the military guys don't have don't have the capability to be human but i can fucking tell you now mm. a lot of them are probably just uh, if you've ever come across somebody and they come across like they don't have feelings they're fucking lying to you yeah because every single one of them have feelings yeah. every <laughs> single yeah. fucking one of us yeah. have, have feelings yeah. it's just how we go about it i'm very good at expressing my emotion and mm. i never ever hid that mm. um i never will hide that I never yeah. will hide the fact that I've had struggles. I never will yeah. hide the fact, and I will always speak about it, mm. but that's just because I have a support network around me that allows me to do that. 
Some people don't have that. Some people mm. come from a very working class background mm. where they've been abused as a kid. Yeah. And perhaps speaking is probably not the done yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never had I never had that. Yeah. I was with a mother and a father who fucking couldn't love their two mm. boys any more than what they did and try to do what they could to help us to a point where it would probably break them from time to time. Yeah, yeah. And all my dad and my mum ever asked of me and my brother was fucking work hard. Yeah. Don't lie and don't cheat. Yeah. And that's all they ever did. Yeah. All they ever said was work hard, don't lie, don't cheat. Yeah. And you will fucking go far in life. Mm. And that's what we did. We mm. both worked hard. I fucking worked hard. And But so have everybody else. Everybody else has worked hard to get mm. to where they are. I'm absolutely sure of it. I was just able to express my emotion a little bit because my mum used to speak to me she was like mum was like we weren't best friends but then we became best friends yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like at 18 years old when yeah. I became a man yeah and I wasn't a prick anymore <laughs> I wasn't smoking pot yeah, I yeah. wasn't doing cocaine I wasn't getting pissed yeah. I wasn't staying out to stupid o'clock mm. causing my mum more fucking panic attacks and issues yeah I then joined the army came back from basic training and she saw a completely different yeah, man in me yeah, yeah. she was like I'm not a boy anymore. I'm yeah, her yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm her young. I'm yeah. still her boy, but I'm now a man of the house. Yeah. And our relationship fucking blossomed. Like we were in, we were best mates and she would mm. always know when something wasn't right. Mm. We would always have the conversation. So, mm. and she was very, very good. My mum was like me. She was always very good at pleasing other people, mm. sitting down and being like, how are you? Is everything all right? How's the day been? And, mm. and you know, she would always ask me, she would always like, do you want a cup of tea, son? Mm. And she would always be very loving, very caring, very kind. Mm. And for me, those attributes mm. are ingrained in everything yeah. that I do. Yeah. To, you know what I mean? So yeah. for me, I think because of the experiences I had in training, and mm. I'm not saying they were the worst, I'm just saying they were, they were shit like most people's are yeah. sometimes. When I then got to phase two, and because of the relationship I have with loads of other people, yeah, my relationship with other my my relationships that I build with other people mean so much to me because of my mum. Mm. I try and like this conversation is like you've been my fucking best mate. For yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's not. 100%. It doesn't matter who yeah. the person is. It's about truly in that moment, wherever you are, investing everything that you can mm. into that one mm. person's conversation. Yeah, because. I'm in the business of relationships. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Coaching is yeah. in the, is the, if you, you are in the business of learning and relationships. Yeah. And if you're not fucking good at that, yeah. then you're not going to succeed in yeah. what this industry is it's, about. No, and it's, it's a beautiful point. I've, I've, I, you know, I take a lot from that as well, from the psychology side of stuff. You know, the, the, the assessments, yes, I don't get a lot of time to speak to the individual then, but when they come in to be treated by me, and a lot of the individuals that might have like really low self-esteem and things like that, always first question I ask them is that, or no, actually, you know, what the, what I found happens over the last couple of months, especially, is they'll go through all their issues, and they'll be related to someone else, or worried they've upset someone else, or needing to do something for someone else. And then I always ask the question, when was the last time you did something for? Let's say if it was you, when was the last time you did something for Dean? Yeah. And then there's this like beautiful silence. If 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 they don't say anything for about ten or fifteen seconds to me on the phone. I've fixed them there and then and, and I know I have like you know, and the work will do moving forward that you know hopefully will will go really well yeah. and it's just that they they they're there to as I say like silence on the phone and then they'll say I, I don't know and then you know it's just the first thing I'll turn around to him and say right so this time we've got together is going to be spent on you doing stuff for you now and lo looking at 
where you're thinking mm-hmm. might be influenced by other people fair enough but let's look at where you are with it and what you're doing in line with that with the thoughts and your behaviors alongside it and like within two three sessions you can hear again tone of voice has changed because like, yeah. you've built that kind of foundation with someone to talk and they're being heard for once rather than them being like the the fucking listening pole that everyone comes to because I, again i don't think a lot of people really understand that it's brilliant for you to be a really good person and a good listener but sometimes you need to have one to fuck off for you a do. bit and look and after that's yourself. what i never did yeah i never did that yeah i was too worried about yeah. what other people thought of me i was yeah. too worried about pleasing other people i was Mm. too worried about how the other person felt in every situation from the time when i was a young kid and i was competitive i always Mm. cared about other fucking people Mm. even to a point where we used to go out on the piss and used to cause dramas i always cared about diffusing the situation i didn't want somebody to get hurt even then all the way through basic training i cared about the people in the room Mm. and i would never ever do something to somebody else to make them feel like they were belittled or Mm. hated or whatever like we had fucking feuds of course but like in basic training the blokes found out about my dad those three people that became part of part of a friendship that fucking blossomed was Nick and Nick and McLally Nick Jones and McLally like those those two alone like we had a friendship there but Mm. I cared more about them than I did myself and it wasn't until it wasn't until probably as recent as I'm gonna say until probably around about 2016 when my mum died that Mm. I realised and it was that that triggered a number of different things for me that Mm. triggered a a bit of a downfall for me but it was then I realised that I need to do more for me yeah 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 and I became unapologetically fucking me Mm. I became authentically fucking Mm. me Mm. and I stopped doing the one thing that so many people do is comparing ourselves to other people yeah because that one comparison in everything takes the fucking joy out of life yeah i compared myself to other people i compared myself to what he was doing she was doing mm. how they were performing how competitive they were mm. la, da, 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 all this shit mm. i compared myself to other people to try and be the nicest person that i could mm. and sometimes just being a nice guy didn't fucking cut the cloth yeah, you had yeah. to do something for you and i was like yeah. do you know what i'm just gonna be me yeah and that tr- that that at that moment in time when my mum died in July 2016 was the fucking hardest Mm. but probably the most eye-opening point in my life because then you realize the one valuable valuable asset that you don't have is Mm. time yeah and I was always trying to please other people and give people my time Mm. and my time became very fucking valuable yeah yeah yeah. to my wife yeah to both of my daughters to my to, to supporting my dad who had just lost his fucking wife mm. and his best friend of 30 40 years helping there and being there for my younger brother mm. to be there for both of her sisters my aunties and looking after them where i could just being so i very very quickly still carried that with me i mm. still very 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 much so wanted to help other people yeah, when my yeah. mum died that yeah. i didn't even mourn her death so properly yeah, yeah. for a long time i didn't mourn her death because i was like i need to be there for everybody else mm. i need to be the i need to be the jack the lad the funny bloke yeah. i need to be the guy with a smile i need to be yeah. the guy that's doing everything that he fucking can to it's make sure that everybody's right, okay yeah and it does get exhausting yeah. and it took a massive toll on my own mental health and i will hand on fucking heart sit there and say i i haven't suffered with I probably have, but I don't ever diagnose it as anything. Mm. Have I been to see a CPN a couple of times? Yes, of course mm. I have. But 
there are people out there that have been in far worse situations mm. across the military than mm. I have ever been, mm. ever, ever been. People that have been involved in relentless fucking contact out in Afghanistan, in mm. Iraq, being constantly blown up, shot at, all that mm. other stuff. And yes, experienced it. But there are people out there that have done and been mm. in worse situations yeah, than yeah. me. Yeah. I'm always, always aware of that. Everybody else has their own battles. My battle came was when my mum passed. Mm. Because then it was a trigger mm. for everything else. Yeah. All of the other stuff I had experienced yeah. started to cascade after that three month period after my mum passed. I was happy, light as rain, as tried yeah. to do everything I could. Yeah. I didn't really mourn her. I did mourn her a little bit. I was, I was shocked, etc. Yeah, yeah. But in that moment, for those first three months, I mourned her for the first week and I was in I was in a bad place. But then mm. after I tried to be happy, I was like, Come on, I gotta turn this on. Yeah. And that just drained you. Mm. And it wasn't till after that I thought, right. That that's where things started to trigger and change, and mm. you know it, it was fucking tough. Like. Yeah, no, it sounds it. And again, you know, just going back to like you know own experiences, just from a treatment perspective, it's it's really odd now. And I, I, I found that this is something that's happened more actually over the last couple of years. And I, I don't I don't put it down to the pandemic, but I think it has been a bit of an impact because, as I say, we've all been locked in, and there's a lot of time to think. And when I've had people that chat to me about any losses they've had or any breakdowns in relationships, and again, it's it's all like, it's just this weird responsibility for it. And then I always say to them, what's wrong with how you're feeling right now? And yeah. again, you have that like large like spot bit of silence. It's like, and then they'll say, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, let's take you out of this. Let's give it to your best mate. Let's say your best mate is going through this stuff. And they verbalize everything you've done today. And then you ask them how they felt. And again, they verbalized all your emotions right now. Is, are they wrong? And then it, the, the, again, that silence, and they're just like, "No." So I was like, "Yeah, okay. So why are you carrying it? Or why why are you kind of feeling a bit of responsibility and everything needs to be lovely around that?" And it's it, it's it's very odd. And I, it's not. I, I just think it's what we do, right? I just think you take that responsibility on in some respects because that that's just who you are. It's kind of impacting your situ immediate situation, so you're almost you're almost kind of inclined to take responsibility for it. But when it's but we don't then see that actually it's down to a lot of external factors that we had absolutely no control over in, in, yeah. in the moment, right? <laughs> Literally no control over. Yeah. And it's like, it all happened. So my mum passed away right in the middle of my transfer course into mm. the Royal Army Physical Training. Mm. So I'd done my 10 week course. Mm. I was a PTI. Mm. I was, I was a personal trainer, if you will, yeah, yeah, in yeah. a unit. Yeah. That's what I was. I was now going to be a specialist head of physical training yeah. if that's what you want to call it yeah. strength and conditioning style coach yeah, that yeah, looks yeah. after a gym and lots of other trainers in it yeah. that's what i was going to do yeah that was that was a two-year two-year long journey it was a year-long preparation for mm. me from afc harrogate when i was up there and then it was a year-long course mm. my mum passed away i started my course in feb march march 2016 my mum mm. passed away in july 16 okay so she died right in the middle mm. of the only thing I ever joined the army for. Yeah, yeah. She died right in the middle of everything yeah. that meant the world to me. Mm. And this was right in the middle of our intermediate course. There are three sort of 10, 12 week blocks or yeah, 10, 12 week blocks with leave, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a year long mm. and you end up doing nine months there. Halfway through, bang, in the center, busiest period. And I was due to deliver all of my all of my individual performances 
So you have you get assigned specific things that you deliver on the course so they can validate your coaching ability, your skills to plan, mm. manage, execute. You know, it's like it's like putting on a massive sporting event yeah. that happens so much on the course. You put on loads and loads of sporting events and it's all the administration mm. and all of the reviews afterward and everything in between that you take lead with. And I was about to do mine. I'd mm. put some of the prep work in. And one of them was a massive one. One of them was a sporting event. Mm for a a general um and it was just like a big summer sports fair in his garden type of thing with mm. family and friends and everybody else and all these other shit <laughs> that i was due to take and my mum had passed away a week before mm. and in that moment there i remember i remember sitting on the floor because my brother phoned me on the it, i think it was a, it was a saturday yeah it was a saturday um Fucking hell. Hang on, two seconds. I just got to it. Take your time. So, sorry about that. I was, I'd come downstairs and Rachel was at the bottom and my my brother had phoned me and he had said, Dean, he he, he was crying. I said, mate, take a breath, bud. What the Mm. fuck's going on? Sort yourself out. And uh, he had gone, mum's mum's died. I went, shut up, you dickhead. Mm. What are you talking about? Shut up. What are you saying? What? Mm. I was speaking to mum yesterday. She's she's absolutely fine. Mm. Like, what's going on? And he had um, he had said, no, no, mum, mum. And then he put my dad on the phone. My dad went, he was in absolute fucking bobbins. He's like, she's mm. gone, mate. She's mm. gone. And that was it. Phone dropped. Sat on the floor. Mm. Quiet. Head buried. And the first thing that came to my head was, what the fuck am I going to do with work next week? Mm. The first thing that came to my head is, what am I going to do? Yeah. I've got my lessons. I've got all these stuff. I just didn't know what to do. And in the first five minutes of that happening, what did I do? I phoned my course instructor. Mm. And I said, I'm so sorry, but I fucking apologized on the phone. Mm. I was like, look, can I please have permission to to go and my mum just died and mm. he was like what the fuck are you asking me permission for Dean <laughs> and he's a very very good friend of mine now mm. who was our instructor he was like what are you what are you asking me permission for mate I was like I, I don't know what to do like what do you want me to do I don't he said don't fucking worry about anything mm. I don't want to hear or speak to you unless you need me mm. for the next week or two mm. just give me a message let me know where we're at in a couple of weeks let's just chat then alright and then I remember saying thank you to him on the phone he's like Dean stop saying fucking just Go and see, go and be with your family. Mm. And I remember, yeah, I was sat on the floor. She had, obviously she, she had, she had died. Rachel, my wife and my kids, my kids, I was, I was, I was screaming like, what the, I was in bits. Mm. And Rachel was like, what, what, what's going on? I was like, what, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know what to do. Mm. I generally didn't know what to do. So in that instance, I got in the car. Um, I drove from here to Stone Market, which is supposed to be a three-hour drive. I did it in like two hours. Um, yeah. I I got a few speeding tickets. I just didn't. I didn't. That drive was the longest two hours to be with your thoughts. I was going to say, yeah. Did, did it? Did it feel that time? Because it's odd, isn't it? Like usually, as I say, like, from a, I, I had to do a speed proficiency course the other day. So, <laughs> but the the instructor was saying when you drive. 
you're probably only focused for like 10% of the whole thing. Like I wasn't, 10, I wasn't even focused, mate. I don't yeah. even remember it. I yeah. just, all I remember, I don't even, I can remember most drives. Yeah. I just remember things, but yeah. I, that, that drive, we packed bags, got in the car, just went hmm. to be with my dad, my brother. I can't even remember if we took my wife and kids up there. I don't think we, I can't, I genuinely can't fucking mm. remember. I just know that I got there in two hours. I was doing like 90, 95, all the way down the M25. And anybody knows the M25, that's fucking dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, I was literally driving up the yard shot. I just didn't care. Yeah. Um, how oh, I didn't get locked up, I don't know. Mm. And then get into my dad's house, both of them come out like broken down. Mm. So, and my switch went straight into protect mode mm. I need to help them I need to support them I need to protect them dad mm. do you want a cup of tea da, 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 da. All, like fending for my brother and my dad doing everything that I could to make sure that they were okay looking after them do like I just don't didn't know what to do so I did mm. what I only mm. knew how to do yeah and that was looking after after, after yeah. other people yeah and it was not mourning I, mm. I just didn't mourn at the time mm. but I just kept going back and back and back and forth and thinking like how how do I make sure that the blokes are all right on the course how mm. do I make sure that people aren't getting lumbered with my work how do I make sure my mum and my dad and my brother are okay sorry mm. how do I make sure that my my dad's my mum's family are okay how do I make sure that I'm doing everything mm. in my power to mm. support other people not about mm. myself yeah and my, I remember my wife and kids actually stayed here because it was three days later mm. whilst I was still up there the guys on my course had gone and bought a big bouquet of flowers. Mm. They'd got a lovely sort of condolences gift and brought it round to Rachel. I wasn't here at the time. And she phoned me and said, look, the boys have just dropped some flowers off and some mm. stuff. And I, I was always thankful for that. Always thankful. And Rachel didn't mourn my mum's death. She was close to my mum. She was her best friend mm. for, for a long time. She was the daughter that my mum never, never had. had yeah. So for a long time, she didn't mourn her death. Mm. Um, yeah, like, it just a, a very, that was a turning point in my life. Mm. Sorry about that. Like, no, it, no, I, I, don't, no, I didn't know if that no, was... Cause, I, no, because I, no, I was, I was going to get on to it because I had a similar experience with my nan last year. So when, when obviously all the COVID shit kicked off and stuff. So she'd had, she'd had cancer five years previously. So she'd had it twice. So the year that she did have it, my granddad passed away. This was summer of 2004. 14 I think my first summer after uni so he was passing away and she knew she got it but again like she just didn't make herself known because it was my granddad that was yeah. going through the shit and he passed away and then she told us oh, I've got cancer and stuff so blah blah, blah. so that was about 2015 yeah yeah so 2015 she had that got through it went through remiss uh, remission and then she had a five-year follow-up scan yeah. Yeah. prior to COVID kicking off and then she obviously rung my mum mum's like she's like it's come back mum's like fuck and then obviously everything goes into lockdown. I was living, um, funny enough, I was living with my athletics coach for a bit because I'd started my physical, uh, my psychological therapy training. Mm. But because of the impact of the the virus, my nan and my dad, and I was living with my dad at the time, they um, uh, obviously they've got their own health difficulties. So I was like, I need to move out because I'm still in a clinical hospital environment. So if I pick anything up, last thing I want to do is fucking have, like, you know, have them on my conscience. But yeah. when we started the course and stuff, we got into it, they were like, it's all from home. No one's coming in. We're not coming into the uni. We're not coming into the service. Nothing. You're staying. And then obviously grandma says that she got cancer. I was like, 
I'm moving in with you <laughs> and I don't want no for an answer like end of because she was like flipping and flapping about it my uncle couldn't move in with her because he um he works within retail so as a frontline worker as well it's just you don't want that so I was like I'm moving in with you like end of and it was really weird of her cancer experience because she always looked really well mm. probably until four weeks before like it all it all just went to shit and she was like she was eating was cooking for her stuff like that and it was I, I found it quite weird at her funeral because at my granddad's, I was an absolute mess. Like, I love that guy to bits. Like, obviously, like, he, he was, like, just everything to me. But at my nan's, it wasn't, like, that reduction in, like, not loving her at all, having different feelings towards it. It was just, I'd, I'd live with her with it. And she was really open with me about it as well. Like, we'd have talks in the evenings and stuff and I could see her looking into the telly, not watching it, just looking into it. And we'd have a chat about it and stuff. And she's like, I am, like, ready. Like, I'm... I'm I'm good to go and it was it was but it's a really odd like it's just an odd thing to watch someone go through because yeah. as I say for, well from my perspective anyway she always she looked really healthy she was doing all right she was still quite mobile um, again that's just her own kind of perseverance and just bone idle stubbornness and then like yeah, so we had to, we took her into the hospital, um, or she had to go in for a final couple of days, and the hospital were fantastic. I won't name them just in case they get told off if anyone hears this. But yeah. when we got to the end, they like rung us and were like, "You need to come in because she's not got too long." So I got to go in during the pandemic and see her. But it was, yeah, it, it was. It's just, yeah, just again, just that light bulb moment of, do you know what, like when I was at her funeral, I was like, I've stayed with her, like made sure she's all good, looked after her and stuff. And I was just like, I, I wanted to be kind of left alone. Like I, I didn't, I, I knew that I didn't need to help anyone because the one person I was there to help was her. And, you know, we kept her comfortable. She was great and stayed with her and spent, you know, those last couple of months with her, which was actually really nice. And I yeah. think from that, I I didn't need to grieve because I just lived with her through it. I, I was kind of ready for it. Kind you know of almost I mean? had gone through that grief. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and it. it, but, and yeah, at a funeral, obviously a few tears were shed understandably, but, got over it so much quicker than I did my granddad's. I'm, I, I don't think I'm over my granddad's passing at all, really, if I'm really, really honest about it. But yeah, hers, like, because I think she was really vocal, verbal about stuff. She was like, comfortable, this is now, I'm going now. Like, yeah. it's all good, don't worry about it. Yeah, I get that. Which was quite nice. I think it's like, from, yeah, I can, under, like for me, I was probably like, I don't think I've probably mourned mm. my mum, mm. but my mum went the opposite way. Mm. So she was, absolutely fine mm. we were content that she was going to make it through mm. like absolutely no worries at all mm. third time she had cancer she was a fucking warrior yeah, yeah, and yeah the other two times she's had it yeah she was in an absolute state but mm. she always put her makeup on mm. she always did her hair yeah and she always looked well she had a wig at one time but she yeah. always looked really pretty yeah always looked